Come on, go church family. How you feel today? You feel good? Anybody in this room love Jesus? Come on, give it up for Jesus. Highest praise. I love that. Come on. Let me look at the cameras in the back of the room. I want to greet our other locations, our other campuses. Most of you know this, but if you are new here to Go Church, we have three locations. So those of you in this particular room, this is our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. And from here, we have the honor and the privilege to live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus. Come on to greet all the ladies of the West Side. Love all of you. And then we also welcome our Germantown, Maryland campus family in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Come on, give it up for Germantown also. So God bless everybody in Germantown on the west side, everybody in this room. And then, of course, all of you watching online today, we believe it's going to be a great day for you as well. And then we have this tradition here at Go Church. Before we get into the message, we always pause to give honor to those brave men and women that serve in the military and those that their job considers them to be a first responder. I like to do this every week and I don't ever want this moment of appreciation to grow old. It's because of the sacrifice and the service of these men and women that we get our freedoms. And so if you serve in the military, if you have served in the military, if you're currently or previously a first responder at whatever campus you're at today, would you put your hands in the air for a moment and come on, can we put our hands together? Thank God for each of you, thank you, thank you. Come on, a little bit louder here. Come on, make some noise for these men and women. God bless all of you. I love it. And today, you're here on a great day because we're kicking off, well, it's a new series, but it's actually an annual series. We call it Ask Away. I want to tell you a little bit about the, the direction of this particular series, what we do with the series, and why we do this series. So if you remember... On Easter Sunday, we did an annual survey card. How many of you remember that survey card? Come on, we had a couple thousand people here on Easter Sunday, and quite a few people filled out that survey card. And one of the questions that we asked was, you know, out of these few areas of conversation or topics of discussion, which would you most like to hear a message on? And so we asked you to pick one. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to take the five most selected topics and unpack that. So what I love about this particular series called Ask Away is you drive, you drive the conversation. Um, I'm, picking, I'm picking out of the gate the most selected, I guess is the right word, the selected topic of discussion. And I want you to see it here. It's around forgiveness, forgiving people, dealing with difficult people. Come on, how many of you need a word like that today? That's me too. So I'm going to pray for you today. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to sit a lot on forgiving and I think a lot of it will overlap with dealing with difficult people. But I want to pray for you today. I pray for you. You pray for me. And we'll believe that God will meet us here. He'll give us a fresh word, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed at any campus. Can we take about seven seconds here? Invite the Holy Spirit in. Let's, let's ask God in these few seconds of just meditation for focus, uh, for understanding, for his voice to be heard, for him to speak to us. And even now, before we even pray, if there's a difficult person in your life, if there's someone that you're wrestling to forgive, I want you to get them on the forefront of your mind today. And we're going to ask that the, the Lord would heal that relationship and help us to move forward. So let's take seven seconds here. Just lean into the Holy Spirit and then I'll pray, okay? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, listen, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Anoint me today, Lord. Use me today. Anoint those listening today. Give us a right now word as we learn what it means to be forgiven and what it means to forgive. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and we give you all the thanks in the name of Jesus. And together, everybody said amen and amen. One more time, can we love on the Lord together? Come on, church. Let's go. All right, take some notes today. Whatever campus you're at, there's a message note card near you. I want you to take that out. A lot of scripture today, a lot of thoughts today. If you've got a journal, go ahead and open that. If you're using your smartphone, um, you were already reminded to turn that on vibrate, but you can open up the note application there. I want you to take some notes today because I believe that this particular topic, uh, over 15% of the surveys that came in said they wanted to hear a message on forgiveness and dealing with difficult people. So if this isn't a word for you today, you will run into somebody who gives you difficulty. Can I get a good amen? Come on. So if it's not a word for today, it will be a word for tomorrow. So take some notes and, and write some thoughts down. And I'll start with this. Studies tell us that of all of the life events that you and I encounter, so however many years that the Lord graces us to be alive, of all of those life events, you will actually be, only, be able to only remember 3% of everything that happens. So of everything that goes on, you'll only be able to comprehend and remember about 3% of everything that happens in your life, which means that 97% of everything that happens you'll completely forget about. This past week, about eight guys from Go Church got on an airplane and headed out west to Mesquite, Nevada. We played one of the most difficult courses uh, in the United States, Wolf Creek Golf Course. Uh, if you play from the tips, if you know anything about golf, you play from the tips. It's the fifth or fourth, rather, most difficult course in the United States. This past week was one of the 3% of memories that I'll hold on to for the rest of my life. Now, if you look at this particular photo, you see two different types of, of images that really stick out. You see the golf course, which is green, and that's where most people play golf. And then you see the other area, which is where I chose to play golf. Come on, somebody. And I chose that on purpose, if I'm being honest, because I stood on the promises of God in Deuteronomy 32.10. I'm, well, I'm going to make it spiritual now. Come on. That said, I found you wandering in a desert. Come on. And there I comforted you, and there I sheltered you, and I considered you to be the apple of my eye. So while everybody else was playing in the green, I was over in the desert playing in God's grace. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen? That's what I'm talking about. But this particular past week will be one of the 3% of the memories that I hold on to for the rest of my life. Some years ago, I read about a lady by the name of Jill Price. Jill has this rare medical condition called hypothermia, if I said that correctly. And here's what it means. It means that she remembers everything. At 14 years of age, and you can Google and read about her, she has a, a memoir, and I'll give you one excerpt in a moment, uh, called uh, the, the, the Woman That Can't Forget. At 14 years of age, she began to remember everything, every day, every detail. And while that might be a good thing when you're trying to remember names and phone numbers and anniversaries and important things, there's a dark side to that. There's a difficult side to that. I'll give you one example of things that she remembers. She remembers the final episode of MASH. Come on, how many remember that TV show, MASH? That's when TV was good, by the way. Come on. February the 28th of 1983. She remembered that day. She remembered that it was a Monday 
and it was raining and her windshield wipers stopped working. She can't forget anything. And again, while there's parts of that that is good, the difficulty of that can be overwhelming. Here's one excerpt from her memoir. Watch what she says. Imagine being able to remember every fight that you've ever had. Every time somebody let you down, all the stupid mistakes you've ever made, the meanest, most harmful things that you've ever said to people and the meanest, most harmful things that those people have ever said to you. Then imagine not being able to push them out of your mind, no matter how hard you tried. I was thinking about her story and and her ability to remember and then thinking about how you and I, just kind of normal people, we only remember about 3% of everything that happens, but so much of that 3% is defined by this. So much of the 3% is overwhelmed with the challenges of life, the difficulties of life. Can I just be honest? The stupidity of people. Can I get an amen? Amen. The foolishness of people, the hurt that people cause, the pain that people cause. And then we choose to live in a state of bitterness and resentment and we lose our joy and we lose our peace. Sometimes we lose our purpose all because we can't learn to forgive. So I had this thought here, and this is really the question that I want to unpack, is how do you forgive what you can't forget? How is it that you and I can learn to forgive the very thing that we cannot forget? Now, before I give you, I'm going to give you something on practical communicators. So before I give you like practical ways that I think will help you forgive what you can't forget, I want to start with talking about offense, because there's two stages to offense. And I'll unpack this here for a moment. And let me just give you a blanket definition of offense. An offense is when someone hurts you. An offense is when someone insults you. An offense is when somebody lets you down. By a show of hands at any campus, if anybody has ever offended you, would you put both hands up in the air? Come on, that's that's every single one of us because we're human. We're all human. So what are the stages of offense? We'll talk about how we can learn to forgive what we can't forget, but let's start with talking about offense. And here's why, this isn't on the TV, but I think this is important, is I can give you a message on forgiving people, and we need that. We need to learn to forgive people because God has forgiven us, and so if we receive grace, we should extend grace. We'll talk about that later on in the conversation. But listen to me, and this is so important for you to hear, that if you could learn to be less offendable, if I could learn to be less offendable, We are so easily offended. So if we can learn how to be less offendable, that's easier than actually trying to forgive everybody that's offending us, right? So there's two stages to offense. The first one is this, is when you feel offended. I have felt offended before. Like this morning, come on somebody, like, I mean, I I feel offended and you have felt offended. This is when somebody said something or they didn't say something and they should have said something. So that was offensive. Um, Feeling offended is when somebody did something or they didn't do something. And so because of that decision that they made, you you feel offended. Right now, in all of your minds, you're thinking about a hundred different circumstances or situations where you have felt offended. And let me say this to you. Whenever someone offends you, then you build a fence When someone offends you, you build a fence around you and it keeps people from really getting close to you. Why? Because you don't ever want to be offended again. 
You don't ever want to be hurt again. You don't ever want to be let down again. You don't ever want to be insulted again because 3% of the things that you remember, a lot of it has to do with the people that hurt you and offended you and let you down. So offense makes you build a fence because you're trying to protect yourself from being offended. If that doesn't make sense, nothing else in this whole message is going to make sense. Come on now. So the first stage is when you feel offended. The second stage, though, is when you choose to stay offended. And this is different than the first. Because there are times that we all feel the offense. Amen? But when you get to the second stage, this is when you choose to let the offense marinate. That you choose to let it get to you. That you choose to allow that person to have control and power over your joy and over your happiness. That should never happen. You should never give another individual the power to make you feel joyful or to make you feel happy. Can I get an amen? Okay. So when we choose to stay offended, now we feel the effect of that particular decision. And I want you to hear this. Like I'm not belittling anything that you've gone through. And we'll talk about some heavy things in a moment. I mean, we've, we've all gone through some, some really heavy stuff, some painful things. But most of the time, what offends us, man, really we should never choose to stay in that offended lifestyle. It should be like water on a duck's back. And just roll it off and keep on moving. Because my joy is not dependent upon that individual's decision. My joy is in the Lord and the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's a good place to pause and say amen right there. So the first stage is when you feel offended. How many of you ever felt offended? Come on, let me see your hand. We've all felt offended. The second stage is when we choose to stay offended. Anybody ever done that? Like it offended me and I'm going to stay offended and we're going to fight. I just won't be upset about something. So and I know what you're thinking. I thought you were going to talk to us about how we can forgive other people. And I promise you that's next. But if we can just learn how to be less offendable. Like if we can learn... and. I, I don't just want to blanket with like, have tough skin, because that's not easy, man. People are mean, and they make bad decisions, and they say hurtful things, and hurting people hurt people, and I get all of that, but can you imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment how amazing your life could be, how amazing life would be if we didn't just forgive more, but if we actually needed to forgive less because we, are, we refuse to allow every little thing offend us. So instead of walking around, I got I to gotta learn how to forgive so-and-so. No, what if it was like, you know what? I'm just not even going to sweat about that. They said something. They did something. It is what it is. But I'm not going to choose to stay offended because I've got a life to live. I've got purpose for my life. God's got a plan for my life. And I'm not going to give them my joy. I'm not going to give them my happiness. No, I'm not going to let, listen to me. Somebody hear this and then save many if you agree, right? But I'm not going to let that individual ruin my day, my week, my month, or my life. Come on, anybody with me? Come on, like. So instead of just like, well, I got to give forgiveness. I got to give forgiveness. What if we just allowed the Holy Spirit to empower us in a supernatural way that, man, it's just like, you know what? Whatever. Look at somebody and say, whatever. Whatever. Now, for those of you that are going through some really heavy seasons of, of unforgiveness, and there are many of us, most of what we go through, we should never have been offended by it. It was just the right time, the right tone, right? So we got offended. We got in our feels. And now we, we, I like to say this, my, 
I think it was my, my grandmother who shared this with the family. It's been passed down. Like we do a really good job of turning mountains out of molehills. Anybody ever heard that before? So a little molehill, make it a really big thing. But there are times that it's big things. I'm looking in this room and if I were standing at the West Side campus or in Germantown, I could identify individuals and families that, man, you've gone through some stuff. There's husbands cheating on wives. There's mothers that are abusive to their children. There's children that are disrespectful to their parents. There's bosses that are rude to their employees. There's, there's employees that are rude to their bosses. And I could stand up here and give you a thousand different, there are people, and I, I was reminded of this this past week as we flew out west, and it was about a three-hour flight from here to Vegas, and then we drove over to play golf. Just people don't even know how to fly on an airplane anymore. It's like COVID happened, and people just lost their mind, you know? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They don't know how to drive. They don't know how to fly. They don't know how to act. And one lady on the plane, man, as soon as we landed, she just got up from her seat and walked to the front like she owned the whole plane. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm talking about how not to be offended, but that offended me. You were in zone C, lady. Come on, somebody. Get in the back and stay in the back. (laughs) I digress. But we've got some serious things. So how can we forgive? How can we forgive what we can't forget? How do we move on? How can we, in the words of Elsa from Frozen, let it go? How do you do that? In the Bible, the Greek word for forgiveness, the literal definition is let it go. It's amazing. How do you do that? Because I've found in my own stories, which I may give you one or two today of times where I've been hurt or offended, that it's hard for me to let some things go. I hold on to some things. Now, I understand, you know, that the, the Bible says that the Lord says that vengeance is mine. But man, like, I want to... I wanna, I just want to punch somebody sometimes. Come on. I want to get frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. So I, I, sometimes I, I wrestle with just letting it go because I've been offended. Is this making sense so far to anybody? So let me tell you what forgiveness isn't, and then I'll tell you what forgiveness is. I'll, if the camera can leave this kind of uh, wide shot for a moment because I want you to take a picture of this or write it down because I'll tell you what it isn't and what it is. Forgiveness is not condoning the offense which means it's not allowing the person to continue to offend you. You have every right to set boundaries. You you have every right to say, okay, you're not allowed to take advantage of me anymore. You're not allowed to continue to hurt me. Forgiveness is not pretending like the offense never happened. As a matter of fact, you've heard the old saying, forgive and not possible. It's impossible. Forgiveness is the opposite of forgetting. Watch this. Write it down. Forgiveness is remembering everything that that individual said to you or did to you, remembering all of it, and then choosing to forgive them in spite of their faults. So there is no such thing as forgive and forget. Forgiveness is remembering all of it and then choosing to to forgive them in spite of it. Uh, I'll give you one one particular place in the Bible that talks about this. And if you've been in church for a while, or listen, even if you're new to church, you've probably heard this taught in some type of setting before, in a church setting or even in a leadership setting, right? It's, it's out of Matthew chapter 18, and it's Simon Peter who one day gets up enough courage, enough nerve 
to kind of put his heart on his sleeve and say, okay, Jesus, like, how many times do I have to forgive somebody that just keeps offending me? How many times do I have to forgive this person? And then he goes on to try to position himself to be compassionate and benevolent. And he says, how about seven times, Lord? And Jesus says, boy, seven? Hardly? How about this? How about 70 times seven? Now, most of the time when I read that immediately, you know, I think of the, the math, 70 times seven is 490. That's like, that's an uncountable amount of times to forgive somebody. And listen to me, Jesus isn't saying, now, make sure you forgive that person exactly 490 times. What Jesus is teaching is, is that as a Christian, as a person full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, that you and I, although we're not doormats, somebody say amen to that, that we walk in grace and we offer grace because God extends his grace to us. You got me? So he's like, you just keep forgiving Every time somebody hurts you, every time somebody offends you, you just keep forgiving them because that is the character of God. That is the nature of God, that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to forgive us for our sin because all of us, every single one of us, we've fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, let me, let me say it like this. Every single one of us, we have offended the heart of God and yet God chooses to forgive us anyway. And so being a Christian means to be Christ-like, which means that we should take on the same nature, and when somebody offends us or hurts us, then we say, you know what, I'm going to forgive you. Even if it takes me 500 times, I'm going to choose to walk in forgiveness because I have been forgiven. I am forgiven, so I'm offering that type of forgiveness. And I want to say a couple things here, and then I'll give you the practical you know, teaching on, you know, ways that you can forgive what you can't forget. But let me say this to you. Forgiveness is not about reconciliation in some situations. Forgiveness is not about restoring that relationship. Sometimes you can forgive someone and they live their life and you live your life. So I'm not saying that, hey, today forgive that person and then invite them over for game night and play Monopoly. I'm not saying that. There are levels of severity of the issues and the dynamic and the tension and all of that and whatever it is that you're walking through. But forgiveness doesn't mean that there has to be restoration and reconciliation with the person, but there has to be restoration and reconciliation in your heart. The enemy would love for all of us, somebody listen to me, the enemy would love for all of us to have a hardened heart where we stay angry and we stay bitter and we stay mad. How can we walk in that? How can we live in that? I've been there. I've been there. I, I want to be really careful here because, just you know, I know some families watching online, but one of the greatest difficult moments of my life to forgive someone is when that someone took his own life. So for years, I was angry at somebody that wasn't even alive. Mad. So I couldn't even have a conversation to vent my frustration or my anger to see what that decision. And absolutely, he was in a terrible place emotionally, 
physically, mentally, spiritually. I get all of that, and, and, and years have, has helped me, and counseling has truly helped me and my family, but I was angry. So how do you forgive someone that's not even alive to talk to them about your anger and your frustration? Because what they did was offensive. And you've got your own story. You've got your own dynamics of people that have done you wrong or people that have hurt you or they've abused you or they've mistreated you. And that's not right and it's not fair. But you are full of God. You're full of the Spirit of God. And because God has forgiven us, we've got to find that place in our heart and massage that place in our heart to let that be softened so that we can extend grace just like we've received grace. Can I get a hand clap to Jesus? Come on, for his goodness, for his grace. I hope this makes sense today. So let me give you just five ways here. Look, there are 5,000 ways. Let me give you just five practical ways here to forgive what you can't forget. And I hope you write these down. I hope you pray over these. I hope you take these to heart. I hope they challenge you. I prayed this today. This morning I pray that this message would challenge you, this message would convict you, and this message would uh, give you courage. Because we need need some courage here to forgive people that have done us wrong and and, and hurt us. So here's the first one. The first one is this. You've got to acknowledge the pain. You got to process your emotions, which by the way, all five of these are like, this is just my story on a TV screen for you. Come on, somebody. If you think brushing your emotions or brushing your pain under the rug, if you will, to conceal it or, or hide it is going to help you, the enemy has completely fooled your thinking. Hiding the pain of that hurt hiding the the emotion of the situation, it only exasperates and stretches out the the pain that you actually are feeling. And you'll never really able to walk in full freedom, which is God's ultimate goal for you. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life to the full. So you'll never really be able to walk in that full freedom and you'll never really be able to have complete healing as long as you refuse to acknowledge your pain. As long as you refuse to process your emotions. Like, let me say it to you like this. So you need to talk it out. Now I'm gonna make a blanket statement here. It's very general. It's not meant to be offensive to women or to be offensive to men at all. Don't be so easily offended. Come on, somebody. But most of the time for women, it's, it's easier for them to talk than it is for men, generally speaking. That's not always the case. But a lot of times, like women, are, they're, they're more open to discussion and communication. And men feel like, well, if I, if I open up, and I don't know why we think this way, but, you know, if I, if I just conceal it all, it makes me macho. It doesn't make you macho. It makes you hurt. How do you know that? Because I've been there. I, I, I remember multiple times in my life where I felt like I had to hide the pain of what I was going through and mask the emotion because I needed to be somebody that I could never really be. Does that make sense? At 13 years old, my my father dies from a heart attack. At his funeral, standing at his casket, at 13, somebody walked up to me and it amazes me just the things people say when somebody you love dies. Can I get like 100 people that know what I'm talking about? And this person, I don't even know who it was, but they said, and, and I know they meant well, but they said to me, 
Now you have to be the man of the house. I'm 13. But I took that, and for the next six years, I tried to be the man of the house. I wasn't even a man. And all of a sudden, what I experienced was I was hiding the pain of losing my father, refusing to really process my emotions because I thought, well, I have to be the man of the house. And so for years, man, for years, I actually ended up running away from the Lord because I decided, well, I got to be angry at somebody, so I'll just be angry at God. You got, you got to have somebody that you can process these things out loud with. That might be a Christian brother or a Christian sister. It might be a pastor. It should be a counselor. I say this all the time because I love you enough. Like, all y'all need counseling. Come on, somebody. Look at the person right next to you and say, if you didn't hear anything, I hope you heard that. Go on, tell them that. Like, you need major counseling, and some of y'all need medication. Can I get another? I'm feeling good today. Come on, baby. Jet lag. But hey, we, we, have, we have here at Go Church Life Back Counseling. Why? Because we believe in the opportunity for you to acknowledge the pain and process your emotions. Because if, if you try to navigate through that on your own strength and your own ability, the enemy will just continue to stir and stir and stir. And we've all felt, all of us, have felt the effects of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. Isn't that true? Psalm 34, I love this verse. I use it a lot in, uh, in, in funeral settings and environments because in those rooms people are, are brokenhearted and their spirits feel crushed. But I think it's appropriate to use today when we talk about dealing with difficult people and trying to forgive people that have hurt us. The righteous cry out, there it is. Like I'm, I'm gonna acknowledge and just process my emotions. Uh, has, any, has anybody ever been to, the, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want you to feel, you know, called out or singled out. So don't raise your hand, don't say amen, but have you ever been in such a place of deep pain and hurt that you cried so hard, but there were no tears? My mom used to sing a song, she plays the piano still, but as she gets older, her, her fingers have arthritis, so she can't play like she used to, but I remember many nights waking up to hearing my mom play the piano singing, then sings my soul. Have you ever been there where you don't have the words to say, but your soul is just crying out? Like, and I think this is so appropriate to acknowledge the pain, process the emotions, cry out and watch, and the Lord will hear you. So the enemy would love for you to think that when you cry out to the Lord that, that he's deaf. God is not deaf. God hears every cry and every prayer, watch, and he delivers them from all of their troubles. I pray that over your family, over your life, over your home, over your heart, over every situation of unforgiveness and hurt, that God would deliver you from your troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who's crushed in their spirit. Somebody say amen to that, receive that. And the righteous person may have many troubles, but God is so good that he delivers them from them all. Acknowledge the pain. Process your emotions. Talk to somebody. Get into counseling. Open up and have that hard conversation. You've got to figure out a way to communicate. 
Go online now. Go to the app now. Sign up for a counseling session at LifeBack because that's how you begin to acknowledge what you're walking through because the more that you try to conceal and don't feel, the more you try to hide and push down, it actually creates a greater, a greater ability for the enemy just to, to marinate on that. And here's the word. It's just really dangerous. Here's a second way for you and I to forgive what we can't forget. You gotta settle your differences as quickly as possible. Now, for most of you listening to this message, that particular situation, you're already out of whatever the timeline is on how you define quickly. And, and, and that's okay because you can teach others about the pain of not settling the difference quickly. Every single one of us knows what it feels like to let the sun go down while we're still angry. And the Bible says what? Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. So we know what it feels like to have sleepless nights and long days and those days of, of conflict with whoever it is, those days of tension, those days of frustration, they get longer and longer and longer and then eventually the gap is so wide that it feels impossible to breach. It feels impossible to build a bridge to come together in unity. That's why Jesus said this. Jesus says, on your way to court, watch, on your way to court, you better settle your differences quickly. Let's unpack this for a moment. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge. Judge going to hand you over to the police, and you'll be thrown into prison. Now, he's not talking about a literal prison here and in the context of our conversation, we all know what it feels like to be thrown into a relational prison. Where, let's talk about family, because family hurt, family pain, family unforgiveness, there is nothing that compares to the pain of that. So we go birthday after birthday, holiday after holiday, family reunion after family reunion, and you may not go or they may not go or if you show up in the same room, they're over there, they're over here. So much drama. I mean, it's on Facebook. Come on, somebody. All because you refused to swallow pride and settle the difference as quick as you could. The quicker you can settle the difference. And here's one. This is more for now. I'm just preaching to me for a moment. But even if it means you, you know that you're right, you know that you're right. But the goal isn't to be right. The goal isn't to win. The goal is grace. You know how many, you know how many fights that I've tried to win? And I lost them all. Come on, somebody. It's not about winning. It's not about being right. It's about being a Christian. About being Christ-like, like Christ. But I didn't settle the difference quickly because I just wanted to prove my point. It's dangerous. So then... The gap grew, and it widened, and eventually it felt impossible for us to ever be able to come together. That's why Jesus says, you've got to settle those differences quick, quick. Don't, if you give the devil, if you give the enemy an inch in any area of your life, you give the devil one inch in any area of your life, he'll kick the whole door open and go a whole mile. That's how the enemy works. So you've got to make sure that you stay close to Christ and any time that there is frustration, disappointment, hurt, pain, etc., the Bible specifically says that if you're offended, go to your brother, go to your sister who's offended you and let there be resolution. 
But we don't do that. And I know I made a joke about it earlier, but it's because it's true. Instead of going to them and settling the difference, we go to Facebook. Or we go to somebody else in the family. Or we go on a text thread. Or we make phone calls. Or we blast them. Could you imagine if Jesus did that with us, with our sin? God forgive me. He's like, first, let me tweet this out just real quick. Man, no. The moment we ask for forgiveness, the Bible talks about that he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. Come on, that's a good God, right? That's a great God. All right, let me keep moving for you here. We got three more and time's going. Watch this. Five ways to forgive what you can't forget. A third way is that you've got to remember that God has forgiven you. I, I, would, I would encourage you, and I've done this in the past, to write down some of the things that God has forgiven you about. Write them down. So the next time that the offense happens, the next time somebody hurts you, and you get angry, and you're human, you have those emotions, you're going to feel that way. You're not superhuman. But instead of harboring the resentment and the frustration and that turning into bitterness, just begin to write down a few things that God has forgiven you about. And now all of a sudden the perspective changes. At least it does for me. The man, God has been so gracious to me. Maybe I can extend a little bit of grace to somebody else. Here's what Ephesians, Paul told the church at Ephesus. Here's what he said. Instead, instead, so you got a way that you want to do things. How about instead of that way, we just be kind to each other. You know what I think this world needs? I think this world just needs a little bit more kindness. You know what I mean? Just, uh, just be kind. As a matter of fact, today, wherever you go after church, wherever life takes you after this message, can you just be kind to somebody? Would you just go the extra mile to be kind to somebody? I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant or, or Walmart. or We don't shop at Walmart. We're real fancy in our home. We shop at Target. Come on now. And if you've ever been to one, and the, the people that are working, they're not, they're not nice to you. But then you just turn on the kindness light, and all of a sudden their whole attitude changes. Has that ever happened to anybody? Look, I'm gonna, if, you, if you're in a bad mood, I'm going to make you laugh. Either you're going to laugh or you're going to hate me. Because you're not bringing me down to your level. You're going to come up to my level. Come on. Like if we could just be kind to each other, if we could just be tenderhearted, there it is again, that, that soft place in your heart. Watch, and forgiving one another just as, let's read this last line, every campus on the count of three, one, two, three, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. One more time, God forgiven you of anything? Let me see those hands. Yeah. Time and time and time again. Forgiving other people doesn't mean that you have to reconcile relationship with them or do life with them. Sometimes forgiving people is Letting go of the offense and then setting the boundaries so that they don't continue to hurt you. That's important as well. But when you have a hard time forgiving that individual for some of the hurt that they've caused, just close your eyes and remember the goodness of God in your life and how he has brought you from darkness to light, how he has saved you. Come on. How he picked you up. The psalmist David says, you picked me up from the slimy pit and you set my feet on solid rock. Is that anybody's testimony? Come on, right? If you remember that, it just changes your whole perspective. Here's another way that you can learn to forgive what you can't forget. And you see it on the screen already, and I'm gonna tell you, this is the hardest of all of them, to pray for the person that offended you. 
to pray for the person that hurt you. Church, that bad grammar, good preaching, that ain't easy. That is hard. I got about six stories running through my mind right now. I'll tell you one. Some years ago, I had a couple of staff that was working on the team that transitioned off of the team. The transition wasn't their choice, it was my choice. I decided that because of their character and their integrity, that it didn't necessarily line up with the character and integrity of what it would mean to work at Go Church. And really what I felt like what it meant to be a Christian. So I fired them. I'm sure the termination could have gone a lot differently, but the decision was the decision. And looking back, I wouldn't change the decision. But man, it got ugly. And it got ugly fast. I don't know the exact number, but I'd say they caused a hundred people or more to leave our church. The things they said about me, and it wasn't even all lies. It was just half lies. It was stuff that I said in a meeting or in a one-on-one that they took out of context. Because now we live in a soundbite society where they'll just take snippets of what you say to accuse you of, of what they want people to think what you meant. These two former staff, they started a podcast together. And I was episode two of the podcast about Go Church and my poor leadership. And in their defense, because I didn't listen to it, just people text me and called me and direct message me. And they're like, hey, they're doing a podcast about you. It ain't good. So in their defense, I never heard it. And from what I hear, they never even said my name, but it was about me. And I became so angry and so mad. And all of a sudden, this unforgiveness in my heart built up. And week after week, I found myself like, God, get them. Have you ever been there? Get them. I'd quote scripture to the Lord. Touch not my anointed. How are you allowing that? You know my heart. You know the purity of my heart. And then about three years ago, during one of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was sitting right there in that seat and I heard the Holy Spirit say, have you tried praying for them? I was like, that ain't gonna work. (laughs) (laughs) And I began to pray. And my prayers, they were angry prayers in the beginning. And then my prayers turned to compassionate prayers and even personal repentant prayers. God exposed some things in my heart. God exposed some things there. There's two individuals. One of them I've never talked to since that termination day. I don't know if I ever will. I've tried to reach out, no response. The other one though, about 18 months ago, my phone rang and and it was this individual calling me. So I picked up the phone, hello, Pastor JC we're in a bad situation. You're the first person I thought to call. I need help. Sorry, tell me what's going on. They begin to explain the situation and it was really, really severe. I tell you that story not for sympathy because you have far greater stories of difficulty and tragedy and all of that, but there's just something about taking the command of God 
And I think for those two guys, the word enemies here is not the right word. We're not enemies, at least in my mind. Maybe you have enemies or maybe you are someone's enemy. I don't know. But I know the command here is to love people and to pray for those that persecute you. That's why this is not easy. It's not easy to pray for somebody that is persecuting you. That's why Jesus says, turn the other cheek. That's hard because we want revenge. Let me say it like this. We want them to feel the way that we feel and that'll never happen. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and bitterness is like you drinking poison thinking it's going to harm the other person. Bitterness never hurts the other person. Bitterness only hurts you. Am I preaching to anybody yet? So instead of drinking the poison of bitterness and unforgiveness, just love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Don't give them the authority again. I've said this multiple times, but to take your joy and to steal God's plan for your life. No, just pray. And God will, God may not change them, but God will change you. And watch, and you can't change them. You don't have control over them. But you know who you do have control over? You. So you, you can't control them, but you can control you. And so I just determined in that story I told you and the 100,000 other stories that I chose not to tell you is that, hey, okay, I can't fix them, but there are some things I can fix about me. So I'm just going to pray for those that persecute me, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in my heart. But there's still a calling on my life. There's still an anointing on my life. I'm speaking this over me and you. There's still a purpose. There's still a plan. And I refuse to be handcuffed to unforgiveness because I want to walk in freedom for whom the sun set free is free indeed. Come on. So I'm going to pray. And then here's the final one. Watch this and, and we'll close. And then it comes to decision time where you have to decide to forgive that individual. Again, this isn't about always about reconciliation and re restoration and getting back together and whatever. I, I don't know that story. But in your heart, you have to decide to forgive them. I could pass a microphone around this room. I could pass a microphone around our campus in Germantown. Lord, the stories of some of those ladies at the West Side campus that they could tell of people that have done them wrong and hurt them and caused them great pain, it would blow all of our minds. But irregardless of the, the dynamic of, of the severity of that situation, we all have to decide, are we going to forgive the individual or are we going to live in unforgiveness? And that's the choice. And of all the stories that you could hear today, of all the stories I could tell or you could tell, no story compares to what Jesus went through on the cross. No story compares to what they did to Jesus on the cross. Crown of thorns, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. They beat him. They spat on him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They, they literally persecuted him, not just verbally, but in every way. They beat him until the point of death. And you know what Jesus did on the cross? He prayed for them, and he made a decision to forgive them. And in the final moments before Jesus breathes his last breath, before the burial and then the ultimate resurrection, here's the prayer of Jesus in his decision to forgive. He says, Father, 
forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Man, Jesus could have called lightning from heaven, angels to his side, come down off of that cross. He could have turned them all into a pile of ash. But instead, you know what he gives? Forgiveness. I showed you this some years ago. I want to show it to you one more time because I think many of us have forgotten it or maybe we need to be reminded of it or for some of you need to be taught this. Write it down, take a photo. I left two blanks in this particular prayer here because you need to fill it out. God, I forgive. Who is it? Don't say it out loud. But I forgive who? I forgive my husband for the way that he's been treating me. I forgive my wife for having that affair, right? I forgive who for what? I forgive my dad for abandoning us. I forgive my boss for mistreating me. I, I, for, I forgive, again, a million different scenarios. But God, I forgive so-and-so for that thing that they did because I believe that they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. And even if they did know what they were doing, they didn't know how badly it hurt me. They had no idea how deep this cut. But I don't want to live in that unforgiveness any longer. I don't want to live in that place of resentment and bitterness. If I'm only going to remember 3% of everything that happens in my life, I'd like to remember some good things and learn from the difficult things. But I don't want another memory, another day to be robbed because of my lack of willingness to forgive someone. So God, today, every head bowed, every eye closed for a second. I'll give you the closing questions in a moment. Come on, South Metro Campus, Germantown, Westside, every head bow. Just pray this prayer real quick. God, I, I, for, I forgive. I forgive them for that thing that they did. And I know it's a process. And I know I got some next steps here. I know there's work to do, but I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I want, my, I want my joy back. I want my life back. I've, I've, I've just given it all away because of these offenses. And I'm ready, God, for you to tear down some of the walls, that I, unhealthy walls that I've built up. God, and just do something in my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, let me show you this, and then we'll transition our campuses here. Here's the closing questions. What did the Holy Spirit speak to my heart? And what next steps do you need to take in your faith journey? God spoke a word to every single one of us today. Whether you heard my message or not, God had a message for you. And then all of us have a next step. I hope that some of you, your next step is getting into Christian counseling, offering forgiveness, or those five ways that we talked about how you can forgive the things you can't forget. Okay, let me pray one more time and we'll transition. So Lord, touch every individual under the sound of my voice today, whatever campus they're at, those online, those that later on would come back and watch this message through the archives. I just pray, Lord, that whatever it is that they're walking through, that you would begin to bring healing, that you would begin to reveal some things and that they would make a decision that, you know what, like I've got to offer some forgiveness here or I will always be in a prison. 
I will always be handcuffed to my past and handcuffed to my pain, but I just want freedom. And I believe that freedom begins with first you receiving forgiveness and then you offering forgiveness. So we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and together the whole church said, amen and amen. If you're encouraged by the word today, can you put your hands together? Come on.